inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Radio Western. Kids not learning cursive writing in schools nowadays is sad to me. It's like when I see article headline after headline asking if Braille is still relevant for people who are blind today. Geez. Um, what? Is this really the question we are asking in the 21st century? We're taking it for granted. That's why we need to keep recognizing January as... Braille Literacy Month, and January 4th as World Braille Day, because Braille is irreplaceable. It's cool. It's literacy for those of us who can't see the written word. If one more person asks slash writes that question, the one I refer to above, I'm going to stab them in the groin with a stylus from a Slayton stylus. Here's my Braille story and um, my Braille trail on this important day. I spent a lot of the last few years trying to educate and share my passion for Braille. I spoke of it in places such as in Toronto and in Ottawa, and I didn't always do the best job, as I can't really explain it using facts and figures as well as I can when speaking from the heart. Online has been buzzing since January 1st, at least in the circles I run in, in Braille, on Braille and its inventor. Then... I shared an article about this the day and I read it with my iPhone and voiceover. I should have picked up on it as my screen reader did pronounce the extra word in the name, Louis Braille, as Lu- Louise Braille. Who is that anyway? Perhaps there's someone named Louise Braille in the world, but I am quite sure that person did not invent the thing we're talking about and celebrating today, unless perhaps a woman really invented Braille instead of a man, like the article. I read today about the theory of how all Shakespeare's plays were really written by a woman. Hmm. What do you think, Brian? (laughs) Interesting theories there, Carrie. Both of them, but no. It was a Frenchman by the name of Louis Braille, and someone made a mistake when writing the piece, adding in that extra E. Yeah, so this article that Carrie read, there was an E at the end of Louis. I think at least twice, and I just had to point it out to them. Yeah, because that's not how it's spelled. With my editor mind, both. So, yeah, it's just somebody actually... So I shared it on Twitter, and somebody on Twitter pointed it out to me because I didn't see it, so... Yeah, so um, continuing Carrie's Facebook status about Braille, this excellent status she wrote the other day. And this is the kind of thing I may have been able to pick up on quicker if I had been reading the article in Braille instead of listening to it by voice. So, yeah, that's the point there is that... Carrie just mentioned she didn't see the E because she was just listening to voiceover on her phone, which speaks what's on the screen, instead of using a Braille display, which is what we're both using right now to read this status, where you would see, you would actually, well, yeah, you would technically feel the Braille dots and notice, oh, there's an E. There's not supposed to be an E there. And then you would notice that whoever wrote the article made an error. Yeah, voiceover sometimes says it right. Like it did say Louise instead of Lewis, but... Uh, yeah, you don't always... The voice is going pretty quick. I have it on quite a fast speed, so I can read things quicker. So technology is great. Learning Braille isn't something one does in a day, of course. 
And so our sister asked me the other day if anyone with sight has ever learned to read Braille by touch. And I did I did bring up that I met I met one person when I was we were in Orlando at the convention back in 2018, a sighted person who in high school, I guess she was just bored during her <laughs> Her breaks, I don't know what that history she had. That is priceless. How, how? Oh, it was fascinating. She was bored during her, her breaks at school, so she thought it would be interesting to learn Braille. And then, so she did She did learn it, and she actually learned it by feel, which is uncommon. Most people, like our mom, who knows Braille, looks at it, and most mm-hmm. people do. Um, but she did learn it by hands, and she said it provided a lot of shortcuts in life. Like when she was driving, she put some Braille on her radio buttons to be able to switch so she didn't have to, she could still focus on the road. And she said she gets car sickness when she reads in a car, so she was reading Braille <laughs> with her hands instead of looking at it, <laughs> reading print in a car. So, Ugh. yeah, I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. But um, yeah. continuing the status. <laughs> Sorry, you wanted well, to say something? No, no, something. It's just, just um, what I go on to say here is something that just is it's hard to fathom um, because schools resist teaching students who are visually impaired Braille if they have enough sight to even read large print even even somewhat like I did when I was in you know the early grades um, if they could even see the chalkboard from being up close you know sitting in the front row um, if they're wearing glasses like I wore as a kid sometimes they didn't they, they didn't they don't bother to um, you know hire a braille teacher so well it's almost like the the, the braille the braille teacher is just like oh if we have to we'll teach this person braille but we're going to yeah. resist it as long as we yeah. can we even can though thinking instead money. like yeah, this person can see large print, which is great. We'll teach them that that as well. But they they do have like have the risk of losing their vision someday. And I we, guess teachers, it's better to start early. Teachers don't things. understand that 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 a, a person who's visually impaired might not always have that level of sight for the rest of their life. Some of these conditions do you know degenerate with time. So they suppose, I guess, that the time and expense is not worth it. Then the child's remaining vision is all of a sudden taken, which we just talked about. Yeah. Right? And it's gone on them, and they're so then they're left with listening only and never learning the same fundamental things other students learn. Would we take away pens and pencils and paper from sighted people? Of course not. How absurd. <laughs> I can write on my iPhone Braille using a technique known as Braille input. And I use this a lot, actually. It's a setting on the iPhone and, uh, and probably other phones. I think there's options for that as well. But um, mm. when you turn the phone a uh, certain uh, direction then it changes into pretty much when you're in uh, landscape mode that's like the long way mm-hmm. you can use your fingers in the combinations of like you if you were brailing on a brailler um, and braille on your phone and it makes texting so much faster um, just like anyone else would text and I find it very very helpful yeah you're very quick at it and uh, you're getting on my case so I I just got to practice and it does I- take a lot of practice I will say that much yeah. just to get used to it but in the end, you're only using your six fingers to hit the six dots, which is what Braille is comprised of, is six dots in a cell. Um, and you're just typing like on a Brailler. So it's just something I've done since I was young. So it, it came pretty easily. Yeah. So, I mean, like the other night, the other day I actually read, um, I bought um, Michelle Obama's audiobook, Becoming, it's called. And in that case, I wanted to hear it read by, in her voice. Um, so audiobooks, you know, they're wonderful. Screen readers, they get me far. Still, they don't replace reading, literacy, Braille. Well, I know you've done it, but anyone who's not um, who's new to listening to this show, we do use these screen readers which read stuff um, in a voice. Like, I can quickly turn mine on if you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I unmute the speech on my phone, right now I have it muted so that I can just read the Braille, but if I unmute it, you'll hear speech 
um, speech on. Speech on. And then if I play the paragraph that Carrie was just kind of reading. Like, audiobooks are wonderful. Screen readers get me far. Still, they don't replace reading. Literacy. Braille. There you go. So yeah, that's the voice reading it. I can't imagine doing that for an entire book. I know you've said you've done it. I just turned the speech off again. Um, I know you said you've done it before where you've downloaded like a a text file of a book and just (laughs) read it all with the voice on a computer. I read a whole book for school a couple years ago for college course I was taken that way. I think ideally it still would be nicer to read it in Braille. Um, Sometimes it it is faster. I mean, Braille's, again, it's one of those things, if you practice it enough, you can read pretty quick, but those voices can be sped up really fast. So you can get through things quicker if you want, but sometimes it's harder to understand, depending what it is, especially for school, I find actually yeah, seeing the things. words yeah. in, in Braille makes it a little bit easier. But uh, So yeah, many people lose their sight when they are older, and you know it's hard to underestimate what it takes to learn a new skill such as Braille later in life. Both or of us, especially, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to deal with that because we learned it as kids, so it must be really hard. I can't, I can't imagine. And audio is a suitable replacement in those cases. But, and I mean, it still is great if someone older wants to learn Braille, and it would be great if they did, but it mm-hmm. is a bit more of a challenge. Whereas for a child, that's why it's, it's a must-learn. Even if they are, they still have some vision left because... They might lose it, and the longer you wait to learn it, the harder it could become, I would imagine, because anything, it's like any skill. As a kid, when you learn something, it's, mm-hmm. it tends to be a little bit easier to absorb stuff than the older you get. It's a little harder. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what that paragraph says. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I am passionate about Braille and what it's brought into my life, uh, and as, I assume as you are. Absolutely. But I do owe everything to our parents who taught it to me, to us, even though, you know, even though I was wearing glasses at that age and I could read large print, like I said, and to my, I want to thank my Braille teacher and Braille transcriber, she was called for helping me do more with my education that way. And that's, that's not as common anymore now with computers and um, being able to print stuff off for teachers. Back in the day, we'd write everything on our brailler and we'd have a, yeah. a transcriber who would, underneath the braille, write in print so that our yeah, teacher could I, read it. Yeah, we would braille in class and then I would walk over to her her, her office and I would give her the um, assignment and she'd use her pencil or pen or whatever and write under that and then hand that to the teacher. Whereas nowadays, people could either use computers. If they still wanted to use braille, I believe there are electric, electronic type braillers now mm-hmm, where I you would, can braille and it would print it out in print. I want to see one of those. Um, so the, the stuff does exist now to... You know, the transcribing isn't as essential, but there still are certain areas. I think even math now is working through computers and stuff, but certain things, it is still easier to use the brailler. I found in the later years when technology was a bit more important, or I mean more essential, or sort of came into focus a bit more, I still used braille for math and for French, just because those are a little harder to use a computer for. But uh, any anyhow... Braille has come into the 21st century with the invention of electronic Braille displays, which we were just talking about. They're referred to as refreshable. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a bunch of metal dots that pop up here and disappear quickly as you're, as you're flipping through line by line, like we are both doing right now, reading this long, very in-depth <laughs> status Carrie posted the other day. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a writer, so I tend to my, write mini essays on Facebook, which maybe not the best place. I don't know why I've started doing that, but... But yeah, we, uh, well, I doubt Louis Braille could have guessed at where his invention would end up nearly 200 years later with all technology has brought to modern times. But at its heart, Braille is a thing of beauty and it deserves as much attention and respect as possible from us all. Yeah, have you ever heard that question? A lot of, like, literary 
people ask it to each other, but anybody could ask it. Who, like, if you could pick anyone dead or alive to have a talk with right now, who would you pick? And often I'll, do, I'll pick a writer if I'm talking to other writers. But in this case, I would pick Louis Braille. I'd love to have him here. Just, you know, slap my fing- snap my fingers and he comes here for a little chat just to show him what we're doing here. I think that would well, be Well, it's just cool. crazy because, like we say, it's almost 200 years ago. It seems like such a simple thing in a weird way when you feel Braille. It's just like, oh, it's just you could punch <laughs> it on paper with a s- slate and stylus like we've talked about where it's just a... A, a pokey <laughs> stylus that um, it's kind of like styluses people use to write on was it tablets and things or to sign for packages right right except it's sh- like not sharp but pokey enough to be able to poke the dots into the paper and it goes into a slate thing which has um, is separated by the cells where you poke the dots for each letter um, in the cell it's, it's it's something you could look up online if you look up a slate and stylus to see what it but looks like but I heard like, people describe how they how they, that's how they took notes in school that's and, what I mean oh. back in the day before technology and it is again again it's one of the things you can get quick on but us growing up in the 90s more so, we we just used the Perkins Brailler, which is more like a typewriter, and it is, it's what we're used to, but back in the day, well, those things are to, big and clunky. If and, you wanted to make notes on the on the go, right? You would yeah, you can carry it with you. You can't really carry a Brailler so easily, but uh, yeah, if you want to take this last part. Yeah, so looking back on the last year or two, um, I spent so much energy trying to convince libraries that Braille is like written the written word, that it deserves a place in their spaces like all other books. I know, I know. Braille does take up more room than other books, but there are ways to deal with this. I'm willing to discuss them further with any librarian who is interested. I'm just sick and tired of Braille being so mis- such a mysterious thing, and I understand why. That's why we're doing this show. Um, seen as magical, and so- most people aren't like this. This girl from the, the U.S. who no, of course not. But- decided to learn it on her break. But it's seen as a, almost magical. and Yeah, it, most people just don't, they hear about it and they think, oh, this is like a different language or something, whereas it is it's still, it's, we still know the same letters and it still uses all of that. It's just, it's, it's a different coding of it, but it's still. Yeah, it's different from, you know, print. Um, and they did try that originally before Braille. They did have raised print yeah. books, but that tooks up, takes up too much space and it just isn't easy to feel quickly under the fingers. Yeah, so Louis Braille, Braille went is. to a school in, 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 in Paris uh, in like, the 1820s, uh, and that's how he read books at first. But they were expensive to produce, and how would they? How would the students write that way? It was right, just yeah, raised letters too, yeah. of like metal or something. Yeah. I don't want Braille to vanish into the world of technology to be seen as so different, like the way we people are. Take it easy. The way we people <laughs> who are blind live our lives in so many other areas. Braille is literacy, literacy, and librarians should be celebrating that, not shoving it off to the side. So yeah, the point of this is kind of, it's it's through the library stuff Carrie's been working on, but it's trying to get more integrated systems where we can access material in public libraries, including having some Braille books in the library so that anyone who's walking through could see a Braille and be like, hmm, what is this? I'm kind of interested just to learn a bit about it. But uh, Braille is you say my because it's your status but I'd say for both of us it's our most treasured thing in life because it really is for me music is my big interest but uh, braille itself is just irreplaceable and I could never live without it and uh, we want it appreciated and valued for every child who might need it one day and for every library employee well I said that word weird (laughs) every library employee who should want to spread the word and understand what Braille means when print is not an option for everyone who walks through their doors. Right, so like, so we feel welcome in a space that's supposed to be welcome for everyone. Yeah, because you go into a library now and you're blind, they do have audiobooks, which is something, but 
generally it is still just a whole bunch of print books. And well, what, yeah, it's 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 upsetting to me being in a library. I love it because I'm surrounded by books, and I love books even though I can't read them anymore. Um, I love them as their own individ, you know individual things. But and I've, there are you know all libraries are online these days. If you have a library card, you can go on their website. But I find those quite inaccessible. I don't know. So I say at the start of a new a new year here and a new decade, the twenties in the twenty first century, that I will set foot in the place where it all began, where a poor little boy had the accident that was so tragic in his day, because in you know the eighteen hundreds, you know it was just terrible. Well, yeah. What ha- what happened to Louis Braille again for our listeners? Yeah. So um, it must have been so incredibly painful for the for the he was three um, when he was in his father's shop he used to make harnesses for horses and things and he took an awl which awl a-w-l i think um a tool to poke holes in leather and he he accidentally it slipped and it poked him in one of the eyes and then obviously back then they didn't have the same medical stuff so you know the infection spread and eventually he lost sight and that's a common thing where i mean that that isn't a good experience and it's terrible that that happened to him but it's it's a common thing in history where often accidents and things that happen can create inventions and can be a, a positive thing in the end. Yeah, I mean, for us to say that, I guess, is easy, but yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's still, would Braille have been invented if that hadn't happened to that particular little boy? Yeah, who knows? Uh, but, who knows what it would be? But I, I'm i vowing that I will visit Coupe Vray, France, where Louis Braille was born. In, um, so by by 1829, 1829, he'd invented Braille, so I'm, gonna, I'm making this vow by 2029, I'd like to go to Coupe Vray. It was the year that Braille came into being, and by the end of this decade, I will be able to stand where he might have stood, having had the chance to thank him for his innovation and his determination to give himself and other blind people like me a real fighting fair shot at equality and literacy. And I kind of <laughs> almost tear up when I say that. I, it's like a, what's the word? A vig- Not a vigil. Uh, where you go to a site to pay homage almost right yeah like i could i could thank i can thank him in my mind wherever i am but i i would like to visit that and i don't know if anybody wants to go with me but uh I, you know i'd like some company if you want to come right look on radio western at gmail.com if anyone's interested <laughs> send us an email you can who wants to go on this a trip journey with me because like even websites that so there's a website um there's a company that organizes travel for blind people um so they go with a group of sighted people and, and sighted people sort of get a deal on the trip and then they act as the guide um, and even they don't have a trip to go visit that that little village there in France, and I'm surprised at that. I mean, I know not all blind people love you know use Braille, but you'd think. I asked them recently. I said, "Do you have a trip to go there?" And like, no, we never thought of that. Yeah, so we had a pretty long intro there because we wanted to start things off right with Carrie's great Facebook status that she posted about Braille. But uh, welcome to Outlook, and mm-hmm. hope you've been enjoying the show so far. It is Braille Literacy Month, and Saturday was what World was the Braille first? Day. World Braille Day. So, like every year, last year, Carrie did a show on her own about it, and we talked about it as well, but we always like to talk a lot in this month, specifically in January. I mean, all the time we want to talk about Braille, but Mm -hmm. especially now, just to make everyone aware who who may be listening and to spread the word about it, because it really is, again, it's like I was touching on earlier, it's such a simple form of technology, and it's amazing that now with all the other new technology we have, Braille is still such an essential thing. And that is a debate out there. A lot of people are saying it, it costs so much money and so much extra time. 
whereas an iPhone's automatically built in with a voice. Why don't blind people just get that? And then hmm. they won't have to worry about Braille and lugging it around because it does take up a lot more space than print. You know what I say to that? Hmph. <laughs> but yeah. but our, our point is that it's, it helps. It's 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 all about literacy. You can listen to a voice reading to you all the time, but if you don't actually read Braille as a blind person, to me, it, I compare it to not being able to read print as a sighted person because it's it's you need to have the words in front of you so you can see how things are spelled and and to be able to read out loud to someone. Some people do with a voiceover; they'll listen to a sentence and then they'll repeat it out loud. But that's mm-hmm. just not that's not efficient. Um, so yeah, the, imagine we had to do this show that way. Yeah, it would be that would have taken a lot longer to read that status, even though we're already twenty minutes into the show. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just such an essential thing that Braille doesn't go away with technology. And again, there are these devices, like we talked about, these refreshable Braille displays, to catch up with technology where we're still using Braille with them, but it's allowing us to carry, you know, There's thousands no- of books on our iPhone, and all we need is a a braille display to carry with us which is a lot smaller than a brailler or much much smaller than carrying around actual braille books there's no need to scrap what's already there and invented totally yeah I think a lot of people just think and a lot of blind people end up doing this whether it be they don't get a braille teacher growing up just because the school board thinks it's too much uh, money and hassle to bother with but or some people just aren't you know some people aren't as well at tactile learning and aren't as efficient with Braille than others. And that's like anything. Yeah, Some know, people are better at reading print you know reading than others who, too. who were taught it. And it's just like I was taught math in school, but I don't like to use it if I don't have to. But for me, again, it's, and again, there, like I just said, there are a lot of, there are sighted people out there or anyone who doesn't love reading or isn't as good at mm-hmm. reading a lot. So that could be kind of the same, but you still have to learn the skill because anyone needs to know how to read. You know, if you say you don't know how to read, that's something that you would want to, try to get better at probably and yeah like imagine if somebody told you well you don't we don't need to teach you math in school you might not need it anyway and it's it's hard to learn and yeah yeah or if it's be the same if we don't need to teach you spelling because you know you're going to be using a voice the whole time you're going to using dictate and you might even just send someone an audio message now I can now I can ask Siri every time I want to know how to spell a word there was always dictionaries but you know what I mean like it's very convenient to do that um, but I'm glad I, I have the skill of, of of spelling, which obviously isn't everybody's strong suit. But yeah, but we still have to go back to those basic skills that people learn as as kids growing up, and Braille is one of them. That it just the idea of it ever going away is is uh, frightening, and I don't, I still don't think it will. But it is these days with technology and everything, it's tough, and just with money and cuts and all the schools and all the stuff that goes on. Well, yeah, it's, things are getting. I don't know. We don't. So we're, you know, we'd have to speak to a lot of children who are in the school system today who are, lear- who are, you know, learning Braille because we're out of it for so long now. We don't really know. Yeah, that's just it. When you grow up, you you ha- you're aware of what's going on, but when you're not, it's something to always to follow up on. So I think we're going to talk a lot about Braille this month. Yeah, we will continue. There's we have about five minutes left. So you you did load up another article. I don't know if we want to read a bit of that today or. Yeah, well, it's basically talking about we've, what we've been talking about. If you want to use the last five minutes to talk about something else for a bit about today. Yeah, well, we could. Because um, you did bring... you did. Well, I found an article, but it's from the UK, so it's from the BBC. And it's basically talking about this same question. But... Um, yeah, it, it is focused specifically on the question that we are interested about with technology these days. Is Braille still necessary? And, and if, I mean, if you've been listening, you I know keep, that 
we think it obviously is. <laughs> well, let's find someone who doesn't have a big debate. Yeah. Like, I keep hearing this headline, and I'm not sure if blind people believe it or if it just makes a good headline. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, we'll be back next week, and we'll talk more about Braille. Um, but I just wanted to touch a little bit on some of our travel coming here today. You're still listening to Outlook here on Radio Western. Yeah, we're in here today. Nobody else seems to be about. Yeah, it's still, this is our first show of 2020, and mm-hmm. it's still pretty dead around here. There were a few people coming up, but it still wasn't as busy as they maybe thought, but I think sometimes the first day back is still a little slow for got a, lot to- a lot of things. It takes a couple of days for things to really get moving. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of snowy yeah. when we got outside so today. Not, not too bad. They had Luckily, it didn't snow all night and yeah. in the morning, so a lot of it had been cleared and shoveled. But basically, we left Brian's apartment, and um, we crossed over the grass and got to the sidewalk, and then we usually just cut across the street. So we just listen until we hear no cars coming. Um, But today, I was walking with my cane and walking over this sort of grassy patch that was a bit of a hill with some snow on it, and I sort of nicked a tree (laughs) that was sticking out. And that's the thing. If sighted people see us running into something, it is a scary sight to watch, and they could probably see us about to hit it, or do do we yell, do we how do we stop that? But normally it's just what we accept in life. We have a cane, so we're normally, we're normally safe travelers, but things will, are going to happen. And it's it's the same, just to quick point out, when, when a blind person's ca- crossing a street, sure, if someone is, if a blind person isn't, doesn't have, you know, still working on their O&M skills, mobility skills, and isn't, that's orientation mobility that I'm talking about. We have a lot of codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if they don't, if they don't have the best skills, maybe they would start veering into the, traffic going through the intersection and it does help occasionally obviously you don't want someone to get hit but sometimes too if someone's yelling out at you in the middle of a street it could make things worse because you're you're focusing you do know what you're doing yeah you might be veering a little bit but you'll correct yourself because you can still mm-hmm. hear the traffic but if someone yells out at you it could distract you and it could it could also be a, a bad thing so yells or grabs at you pushing yeah. you shoving you right. so this man sort of was on the other side of the street and he kind of yelled and came across and i don't know if he was worried that we were crossing the street or if he saw the tree thing. But anyway, I was fine, and uh, we crossed the street, and he was kind of there, but we sort of just kept on our way, and it's hard to, you got to stop and, you know, interact with the person, explain it, but you're, we, we wanted to get the bus, so we were going. Anyway, he he seemed okay once we got across on the sidewalk. He's, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, but, so that was our first incident of the day. Yeah, and then the other one specifically I wanted to mention was getting, well, there were a couple on the bus. The one was the, um, anyone who's taken buses here will know, when the bus stops, it says, well, first it says what bus it is and where it's heading um, with a speaker that's on the front of the bus outside. And then when you get in the bus, it announces each stop and what it is, uh, which is is helpful for us who can't see, obviously. But sometimes there's some issues with the bus or the LTC here and those announcements aren't on. And that was the case today, which isn't acceptable. It needs to be on all the time. Um <laughs> We well, do what, have do you, a, what do you do in that situation? Well, there's a couple options. You could ask the driver to... I mean, it's always good to report this if anyone notices this, even if you aren't blind. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be, it's worth mentioning do it to the driver. Solid, please. Yeah, do, do us a favor, please. Or call, you can even call the LTC and just, just report it. Say, I was on such and such bus today and the announcements weren't speaking for, for blind people. Um, I just wanted to report this and, and would like them to, to get fixed. So that's very important. We do have another solution is either asking the driver to tell us when we are at our stop, which we used to have to do back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, the other option is what I'll do sometimes if they're not working on the bus is I'll fire up Google Maps on my phone, type in the destination I need to be at, 
and it will tell me when I'm 500 meters away and then I'll know, oh, this next stop must be it. So again, that's another way through technology. But you don't want to rely on technology, so then it's good to confirm with the driver. So you have these two backups. Yeah, and you but it's sure. also the most ideal if the system's already in place, it just needs to be working. And then what happened as we got off the bus? Yeah, so for our final thing on the show here while we wrap up is uh, when we got to our stop and we're ready to get off, the driver was like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, I'll put down the ramp for you. And I was behind you and I didn't know what he'd said. Hey, hold on, why? Yeah. I thought the door wasn't open yet or... Or maybe someone was coming on uh-huh. or off. Uh, at first I didn't know maybe he was talking to the people outside. Maybe they were about to come on and mm-hmm. they were waiting for me. But then I realized he said he had to wait to put the ramp out. And I, for a second I was like, oh, okay. But then I, <laughs> then I wondered like, wait a minute, I'm blind. I'm not, I'm not like physically, like I can, I can still walk fine. I mm-hmm. take stairs all the time. That's the thing. Everybody's always like, you need the elevator, right? And, yeah, it's and, a general. Oh, no, no escalators, right? I love escalators and I don't need an elevator unless that's, you know, I want the choice, stairs of ele- elevator, but I don't need an elevator. Yeah, and it's a common thing where sighted people, it's kind of like what you say walking into something. When they see a blind person walking up to a set of stairs, sometimes immediately they have this fear, oh, they're going to fall down, they, they, they can't see, there's a drop coming up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've been doing this for years traveling and we take many stairs and we we can walk fine so it's no issue so after a couple minutes of or not a couple minutes like (laughs) five seconds of me kind of standing there waiting I was like wait a minute I don't need the ramp so I just said no it's okay I can step down and I just stepped down confidently so it's important that that people see us doing those things yeah and to show see that it's confident instead of you know I could have just waited and taken the the ramp and that was a nice gesture on his part and he wasn't thinking specifically but it's just it's part of education to realize that we can walk downstairs and it's a step and it's something easy. We don't, we don't need a ramp. And that's just, again, brings me back to expectations where if people are afraid of us walking downstairs, how are they ever going to hire us? Like, mm-hmm. how are we ever going to be yeah. employed? How are we going to fit equally in society? And it's, it's all about education and time and attitude and there's a lot of factors. But uh, So on Outlook, we, we educate people here on the show. That's why we do Outlook. And we also, it's important to do it, you know, out when we're out and about and, you know, just living our lives. And anyone who's listening who's sighted, if you if you notice any of these things happening, you know, just be aware of it. And like the bus announcements, maybe mention something to the driver or call. Or if you, I don't know, just if you see a blind person coming up the stairs, you could walk, you could come up and say, would you like any help or something? You could ask nicely, but mm-hmm. instead of running over and be like, oh, do you need the, this if or that? If you grab us at the stairs, we are more likely to fall down the yeah. stairs. <laughs> um, but yeah. And maybe take you with us. All right, so... <laughs> Talking about Braille for quite a while and literacy yeah, and how we're important in 2020, that is. Yeah. And new decade starting here. It's great to be back on Outlook. We'll be back next week with more about Braille and maybe a couple other things just to mix it up a bit. All right. All right. See you next week. Yeah, have a good have a good one. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.